Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. That's right, we're back, Chelsea fans, this time with a special Champions League podcast just for you. There's been so much hype discussion and well flat out nonsense being talked about before this match had even taken place and rightly so nick when one of the best teams in the world come to stanford bridge correct this is a uh this is a pretty special matchup um when you think of the history of chelsea and barcelona the controversy the great players uh, this is something you know, these two legs are special, uh, you know, flat out. It's a different atmosphere in the stadium, and uh, tonight kind of proved that. Anything, Dan? A- anything? You know, leading up to the the Oscars, which will be taking place here in, in a few weeks' time, yeah, one will reflect upon, you know, the, the pageantry of such a moment, the, the, the acting, the performances, and... Mm. 
you know, the, the staging of certain scenarios. And, and really, you know, some some great awards could have been given out today and uh, truly would have given things like Three Billboards or Shape of Water run for its money. So uh, very interested to talk about that as we go beyond the break. Well, a lot of foreshadowing there. So uh, real quick, though, we do have another iTunes review. Uh, No Patreon, unfortunately. Uh, So the next Patreon donation we get, we'll get an extra special shout out, I promise. Uh, But Dan, anyways, there's another awesome iTunes review. It is. It's a five star from uh, Crump Cornerback 42. And he's a uh, individual we interact with a little bit on uh, various social media platforms. But we appreciate the the five star and the specific shout out to Nick Verlani, not for a deep voice, but uh, which is his trademark. But, you know, just for for being an awesome Chelsea fan, it's easier to relate to. So uh, I thought that was very sweet, Nick. It was usually. Usually I'm on the other end of those. <laughs> so, so. Uh, we kept you on Twitter for a reason. So it's, uh, 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 but yeah, if you want to get a five-star review, a review, leave it on iTunes. We'll be glad to give you a shout out on the next episode. And, and thank you for helping us connect with more fans uh, across the globe. And we, we really appreciate it. We like getting out there. And then also, uh, you know, Nick, we had um, something that we had been hinting at for weeks, maybe even a month, uh, but we finally were able to launch our signed Pedro kit giveaway. Correct. Yeah, we had to wait for Pedro to score, um, and he did against Hull. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, we. So like I said last week, we are uh, we were blessed by the club to receive a signed Pedro kit uh, while we were uh, at the bridge in December and. Uh, you know, they, they gave it to us and, and we're like, hey, you know, do something fun with this. And so uh, we have an Instagram contest going on right now, Dan. What do the people have to do to enter to win this authentic signed Pedro kit? Pretty, pretty simple, Nick. Not a whole lot to it. One, follow us on Instagram. Pretty Great. self-explanatory. Two, like the posts. Again, just tap that heart button or double tap the posts. Easy. Easy. Yep. Third, Reply with the emoji or emojis. Uh, some people did have questions on if they needed to limit it to one. Uh, there's no a character count limit uh, that we're imposing. It's only the Instagram level character comment limit that we are imposing uh, of how you would react upon winning it. And uh, there have been things like uh, clown face emojis, uh, the poop emojis and pants, <laughs> like they're going to uh, poop in their pants, which I thought was uh, clever. And, and so if you if you just even have a curious interest to think about what people would actually say if they did win, uh, that thread is fantastic. And we're responding to pretty much every comment that we've seen come across there too with a uh, a funny remark as well. So if you want to enter, you have in between now February 26th at 12 a.m. Eastern Time, we are going to cut off entries. Uh, It is limited to North America at the present time. Uh, So uh, please enter. We would love to see some more funny emoji responses and uh, when it will be picked at random. That's right. And, And just to give you a hint of like how cool this has been so far and like, you know, what we're excited about, you know, we have 590 likes on this bad boy, which is one of the steps. But we have 356 comments, so get in there. Let's let's blow this thing up. Let's make the club know that uh, we have a strong contingent across the pond, and and let's do this thing. I think to me the the awesome thing uh, for our listeners is even if you don't win this one, uh, make sure to engage and interact with the post because 
the more interaction and engagement we have, the more likely the club are going to be to give us another one. Um, and I think we're really pulling for an Andreas Christensen this one next time. I think that Danish Prince, it will you know, never see a competition. <laughs> Dan's wait, like, wait, yes, yes, it will. It will yeah, see a competition. We're definitely going to give this a one away as he hangs it in his closet. <laughs> I mean, the club didn't say we had to give it away. <laughs> they just said, "Here you go." No, no, no I'm only do kidding. something yeah. with this. That yeah. was that was the that yeah. was the frame. I put it in a frame and I put it on my wall. And here's a picture of <laughs> said <did> jersey. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, anyways. Um, so real quick before we get to the match review, we do want to point our lovely listeners, Nick, uh, to World Soccer Shop, obviously because of the Chelsea gear, which is much better experience than the Nike store. Correct. Um, so worldsoccershop.com, uh, go to the, the, the Chelsea side of this deal, and they have a uh, new uh, button down there. So it's kind of the, the new stuff that they've been getting in as Nike. Nike's done this like weird release thing this year where they'll you know, release training kits you know, four or five times throughout the year. So you want to be checking this deal. The black stuff that they have right now is pretty nice. And as always, use the code LONDONPOD. Uh, to get 10% off, Dan, uh, you know, it's the only way to really do it. It is the best way to shop for your Chelsea gear. All right, well, here we go. Match review time. This is why you are all here. It was Barcelona in the Champions League at Stamford Bridge, and it was on Tuesday, February 20th. Mark it in the calendars, especially you, Pharaohs. You were there. You were at mm. Stamford Bridge, that lucky, lucky, lucky man. Lucky bastard. Uh, obviously, Blues won, Blaugrana won. Barcelona's nickname. Um, we did have a correct score prediction on Facebook. So shout out to uh, Davies Jr. Laconde. Um, awesome person in the group. Posts a ton of stuff. Has written for us. Um, kind of happy for you. Kind of not yeah. really. I mean, it's no, right. And I think he's pr- he's probably the same way. Kind of like, oh, darn, I was right. Um, that's what you get for being practical, apparently. <laughs> uh, Dan, though, we did have a very anticipated lineup to see what Conte was going to do. And he definitely had some surprises in there. Yeah, he took that three five two and binned it. He took that <laughs> thing and lit it on fire. And he put kerosene on top of it, and he just took the match to it. Uh, very, very uh, flamboyant display, but we loved it. Because we got a 3-4-3 three, three back. We had Tibor Courtois between the sticks. Even though people have been calling for Willie, just in case there's a penalty decision, uh, I, I do understand that call. Uh, but you're not going to see our Belgian shot stopper anywhere. But in between them at the biggest moments... Azbulaqueta, Christensen, Rudiger comes in. Cahill not present on the field. Uh, you thought he might have popped up top if he wasn't going to play in defense. Wrong, as much as Nick might have called for in the past. Victor Moses, Cesc Fabregas, N'Golo Kante, and Marcus Longazo make up the midfield four. William Pedro, Hazard, Pew Pew Pew, the front three leading the attacking line. Giroud and Morata both on the bench to start. Uh, big, biggest surprise though, Nick, we had to talk about it. Ethan Ampadu does not make the bench. Your immediate reaction, I know you were pissed off about that. He's not on the roster. Yeah, he can't be on the roster, right? I, yeah. think, I know, I think, but you were you were upset about it. I, yeah, like I, I love Amps, man. I, and by the way, I'm going to start calling him Amps, just so everyone's cool with that. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he, like, I love I love him. He's just not able to play. So, uh, was pumped to see, uh, our boy Hudson Adoy on the bench, though. I mean, it's, this is phenomenal experience for a guy like that. 
I think our bench is a lot more balanced these days. Uh, Zabacosta can play on either wing. You've got Cahill as a center back. Um, drink water in the midfield. You know, a couple strikers. Hudson Doy can probably be you know put to a couple different positions in the attacking three. And you know, we you know, I remember bench lineups early in the season where we had no defenders or three defenders and and not all of the people so uh, I'm pretty excited that our team is starting to really have a much better identity especially after the January transfer window and getting like people drink water healthy um, but I think that you know at J King Kingiella Jordy on Twitter saying what were your honest reactions to starting 11 I for one was pessimistic to put it lightly Max Applebaum saying it was definitely a better result than I expected before the match he was fuming that Conte had Hazard up top um, and then Trinice saying thoughts on today's lineup would have expected to have a striker start I think a lot of us did we talked about this going into it Dan are you going to do Murata or Giroud up top there was never a discussion of are we even going to have a striker? We talked about the advantages of being at home. Um, and I even remember our Facebook group, super nervous. Everyone upset our uh, local Chelsea messenger group, same thing. But at the end of the day, it actually flowed pretty well. It ended up becoming about what the tactical decision was. And that was to absorb and counter. And while Giroud is not fast, Murata is faster. There are no three attacking players as fast as William, Pedro, and Hazard from a, a first-team perspective available. And so if you're playing a game of quick quick breaks, passing interchange, fluidity, as much as you might want the target man to advance the ball up forward and, and have a, a, a beacon or a, a magnet up front to kind of pull the ball towards them, this made a lot of sense for what the plan was. And I, I definitely get, Nick, the initial reaction people had to the lineup. But I think once we got a chance to see it unfold and to see uh, Chelsea absorb a little bit of that pressure early on, I mean, you know, the, the end total was somewhere around like 70 plus percent possession went to, to Barcelona. Like we were playing a very specific game. And, you know, that's why our two. Uh, two tall strikers did not make the the initial lineup. Yeah, correct. Um, and and look, I think we were all surprised to see the uh, you know false nine or or you know if it's if it's not a false nine, we've had some arguments with people about that. Then um, you know just a, a lighter a lighter more fluid attacking lineup. You know it it makes a little bit of sense and. Certainly, as much as I was doubting the, um, uh, I, I guess, doubting the uh, fortitude in which it would kind of make throughout the match, it ended up being the right call. And, and you know, our boy Nini was skeptical about Conte's tactics rolling into this uh, on our last podcast, and we were as well. Uh, Antonio Conte absolutely bossed this game from a managerial perspective. He killed it. He was kicking every ball again. It was so good to see. And he got this dead to rights. Um, I think the only thing that uh, I would have changed is to bring maybe Murata on a little bit earlier uh, than he did. But at the end of the day, like, kind of have to uh, live with that. I, th I think he was tremendous. And I think, Brandon, overall, just to start this, this match review off, I am so fucking proud of this team for the effort that they gave today. And, and I, I put this out on our Twitter account. 
just so proud of the way they fought and competed uh, and really, um, you know, showed that kind of classic uh, Chelsea Champions League uh, never say die attitude. And I think, uh, you know, just credit to the entire team, coaching staff, everybody today, because uh, that is something that we've been desperate to see. For sure. Um, There was a lot of fight. Uh, there's a lot of spirit in the team, and it was really, really good to see. Um, it, it's funny, you kind of look at the heat maps, right? And I get Barcelona, um, you know, outpossessed us massively, uh, but Chelsea were covering the field so, so well. Um, you know, 27% possession for Chelsea, but 11 shots, two on goal compared to Barcelona with 73% possession, had seven shots, two on goal. So I think that, you know, it, it showed a lot of spirit and fight in the team. And part of it helps. It helps hearing the Champions League anthem at the beginning of a match. It helps playing under the lights midweek. Uh, it helps having Barcelona lining up across from you. And, you know, the players definitely embraced it and you know, took it to heart and, and, and ran their absolute socks off. And it was, it was great to see. Uh, I, I imagine that no fan that left the stadium, you know, felt like Chelsea hadn't fought and clawed for every single minute in that match. I mean, even Fabregas, uh, put in a really good shift in a two man midfield, something we really haven't seen from him at all. Uh, but real quick, let's go ahead and cover the goals uh, because I just want to talk about William in the 62nd minute. He'd already smashed two posts twice, Nick. Uh, this one, he finally got it off a short corner, wide open at the top of the box. Uh, took a little bit of power off and absolutely finessed it by placing it um, a little bit of bend and then tucked it right inside the near post. A little help from Rudiger. <laughs> yeah, Rudiger acting as the uh, as the shield. Uh, so that Tristegan couldn't uh, couldn't quite see it come off of William's foot, which is uh, nice. I mean, William was the man of the match. He was dynamic. He was uh, so impressive. This shot uh, reminded me a lot of his uh, second goal against Hull um, last Friday, uh, and you know where he has that you know kind of starts it outside of the of the post and bends it back in, uh, kind of a daisy cutter. Uh, simply fantastic. Very unlucky to not have a hat trick. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, one of his best performances for Chelsea, I think, flat out. 75th minute, a poor pass across the back line from Christensen lets Iniesta get into the box. Fortunately, he peeked out messy, and it was a one time finish, Dan. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it was a crappy goal. It, it was just soft. They didn't really earn it. I think that was the hardest part to stomach. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that that that's probably the best way to sum it up. And you know, I think that there's you know a couple things. I think, you know Pedro is kinda, you know, running back to the action, um, you know, to try to get back and help out. Fabregas is kind of just like help pointing someone else to try to help get in there and close it down and, and not maybe running as quickly as he could have. I think there's a lot that all systematically just started to fall apart in that exact moment. And I think Conte made the point in the press conference afterwards is you can play the best possible game. You can execute the tactics perfectly, but all this Barcelona team needs is the scent 
in the air that they potentially could score and capitalize on a moment. And they did. And when you look at the way that the luck swung this way, William could have had a hat trick and we could have been up three, one going to Barcelona, feeling really, really comfortable, really, really confident. And instead we, you know, are now in a position where we're going to look at needing to win and uh, not allow Barcelona to score because the the away goal is going to haunt uh, and yeah it's a bit of a bummer but uh, you know I, I think bad bad pass for Christensen Fabregas could have closed down uh, Pedro should have tracked back a little bit sooner but uh, I mean it, there's a lot of culpability to that goal I will I will quickly say and we'll get into Christensen's overall performance uh, he this is one that he is going to learn and get better from this particular pass um, that kind of started the whole <laughs> the whole move there. Um, this is something that uh, he will look back on when he is, you know, Chelsea captain someday and think about and uh, not do it anymore. Um, you know, it's you got he got burned a little bit there, Brandon. And that's just the only way to look at it. Yeah, for sure. I, you know. You know, starting from the beginning, Conte's impact on this match is, you know, it, it's not that long ago that he was essentially written off. There, he, there was no way he was going to be in charge for this match. And then he comes out and, and does what he does with the lineup and the way the team set up. And I think he earned it. I think he proved a lot of people wrong. And not necessarily the fans, though. The fans, uh, the only thing the fans have been missing from him is the passion. And we got that tonight. So on Instagram, Real Trigger uh, with a T says, Can we all appreciate Conte for his tactical masterclass? Uh, Nick, are you very yes. appreciative <laughs> of Conte? I, I'm, I'm very appreciative. Yeah. I, look. Uh, there has been a lot written about him this year. There have been opposing teams' jerseys handed to him. There have been transfers that may or may not have happened. There have been, uh, you know, some some interesting decisions from him this year. Like, this has not been his best coaching year, uh, you know, by a stretch. However, uh, when everything was on the line and he knows, you know, going into this match that his team is not as good as the team on the other side of the field – they haven't shown it all year uh, that they could be as good as, as Barcelona. Uh, he he doubled down into his philosophy and got his team to summon a performance that I am, you know, again, I, I will say this probably multiple times on the show. I'm very proud of. Uh, he summoned a performance that was unlucky to draw uh, flat out. You know, I think we, we outplayed Barcelona uh, for stretches of this game and and if you're if you're a possession person, uh, I you know then I'm not going to beat you on that because the the possession numbers are so lopsided. But if you're an overall impact and quality of chances created and uh, you know overall uh, stability and, and defensive solidity person, Chelsea outplayed Barcelona flat out today, and most of the major publications are sharing that. Although they're highlighting that Messi finally scored against Chelsea. Uh, which is okay. He's the greatest ever. It was bound to happen. Um, Antonio Conte, Dan, deserves all of the credit uh, for this uh, tactical masterclass, uh, and and I'm glad that he's uh, getting some of that. 
I will say, Nick, your bar trivia question of uh, what team has Messi not scored against in eight or nine appearances is now not valid as a question. So I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I know that you do tend to normally smash it on the sports section of, yep. of pub trivia. I, I would sure. imagine that. Yeah, I, I think from the distribution of the, the game plan from Getting the players to execute it, I, I think A plus uh, lineup selection, A plus. I think the only thing, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, Nick, is that you mentioned that the substitution for uh, Pedro and you know starting to kind of rotate some players in to to keep legs fresh, to you know keep kind of chasing uh, a second goal to to break on the attack. I mean, you know, for to Pedro's credit, I, I think he had gone 50, 60 minutes of basically sprinting the entirety of the oh, the man. ground. <laughs> he, he probably was like, you know, he couldn't stop himself at the end of the line. It was probably going beyond like doing some suicide runs essentially. And, and he just, you know, was gassed. And I think that that's the one area where, you know, sometimes you kind of look at Antonio Conte, you look at when he makes his substitutions and, even though he's broken from form occasionally this season, more so than last, it is not something where he is either seems comfortable to do it or doesn't want to lose maybe the way the game plan has been instructed to the starting 11, that there's going to be some loss in continuity. There's going to be time to regroup. And he feels like maybe there's uh, control of the game that is able to be swayed or turned, even if the, performance of a player is diminishing a little bit due to just physical exhaustion. And I think that's the only area where there would be some criticism. And I think Brandon, now the challenge is going to be going back for the second half, going to Barcelona. How did they come up with a, either an alternative game plan? Because, you know, I, I think Barcelona is going to know that this maybe is, you know, something Chelsea is comfortable with. Uh, Chelsea are going to need a win, but ultimately, you know, maybe they maybe they have to think about a, another tactic entirely. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't think Barcelona. I know under Valverde they are more passive and they're willing to sit back, but it's Barcelona at home. Their fans aren't going to put up with that uh, in a Champions League game. So I think that their kind of history and tradition actually helps us. Um, because if it were the other way around and Barca needed a goal at, at Stanford Bridge, you know that we would just shut it down and, and <laughs> you know, play with an eight back, nine back set and leave one person up. So we'll have to see. Um, Michael Davies, I'm, I can almost guarantee it was him that tweeted from the Men and Blazers account today, essentially defending the results. So, you know, he had essentially called out Chelsea for a, a really brave performance today. And someone had replied saying, Oh, it's real easy to be the team that sits in, you know, and break on the counter versus, um, you know, Barcelona who are trying to take the game to Chelsea. And he responded and said, no, it's not. You're wrong. Playing Barcelona is like chasing shadows like the and they're talking about like the mental exhaustion that comes from like being so dialed in and tracking all those runs because you know that Barcelona is up to something, whether or not you see it at first or not. And so all these things are going through your head. Uh, and he was just full of praise. Obviously, he's a Chelsea fan, so there's bias. But um, I just thought he had a really good point about that. The next thing that we, we have to talk about is not only Ivan Rakitic, but uh, also the refereeing performance. At Hildy underscore T7 tweeted us saying, what was worse today, the refereeing 
or Barca's acting? I mean, Dan is uh, the theater critic of the group that, that you are. <laughs> uh, what, what did you make of it? You foreshadowed well, this at the beginning. Yes, uh, yes, I did. And you could understand for someone like Luis Suarez, there, there's internal conflict, mm. turmoil, strife. Yep. Uh, an individual who's been just burdened with clearly an identity that is not his, you know, one of uh, underhandedness and, and deceptive play, uh, a biting nature to his performances, so to speak. And uh, today he turned in a performance um, that rivaled, uh, I think, many of the Best Actor nominations. Gary Oldman, mm. apparently, after this episode of... Uh, Chelsea versus Barcelona Champions League edition 2018 was quoted as saying, I give up not even all the makeup and CGI effects in the world used to turn me into Winston Churchill can compete with the acting ability of Luis Suarez. And uh, Nick, I, I was shocked. I read that and I was, yeah. you know, I was floored. I, I mean, Ullman, you know, odds on favorite to win the Oscar this season and, and really just, Applauded the efforts of uh, of Juan Luis Suarez. It was it was excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I believe the great Bill Shakespeare once said, "To flop or not to flop, that is the question." So, um, I, look, I I will say this: the refereeing today uh, was questionable. I didn't really understand it. Um, and and frankly, it was not very continental, I guess. Um, uh, he let a lot of stuff go and uh, a lot of stuff being that Rakitic shouldn't have even been on the field past the 35th minute. Um, you know, he gets an early yellow card and then commits two more yellow card fouls uh, right after that. Uh, and I, I am I'm not shocked anymore, guys. Like, I'm just not. Uh, we, Chelsea Barcelona is a really tough match to referee, and I understand that. So, like, I don't want to put all the burden on this guy. But holy hell, man! Like, the you know, Suarez is you know has fifty dives before he gets a yellow. Morata comes on one minute for descent, and he has a yellow card. You know, there's just things that are not equal there at all, and you know. The only thing I would credit him is the game didn't really get out of hand. There was no, you know, kind of extra vicious stuff fair. in there. But that's fair. At, at the end of the day, like, I just want consistency. I want, I want a yellow card challenge to be a yellow card challenge, and I don't think it's too much to ask. Um, you know, Rakitic, after getting just demolished by Alonso with a with a Cruyff turn nutmeg, which I, is that the first time ever with that? I'm not sure. Um, you know, again, like there are two more fouls after him, you know, kind of that embarrassing moment for him that he shouldn't have been on the pitch. And and the Fox soccer guys are telling us that. So if the Fox fucking soccer guys are telling us that, and they, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I, str I struggle with the refereeing. We, we've struggled with it all year. I, I don't understand it. And, and we're not going to get any favors of the new camp either. Hey, Nick, I, I'm wondering, did you see Sam Rockwell's comments after the match, too? 
I, I did not. Could you, could no, you perhaps so Sam, enlighten? Sam Rockwell, uh, individual who's been racking up awards for yeah. uh, his his appearance as uh, Best Supporting Actor in, in yes. Three Billboards. Uh, he he commented, uh, umtiti, umtiti, umtiti. Mm. Um, by far, you know, one of the best supporting actor performances of the year. Mm. Um, hats off to him. Um, very shocked to be winning awards over this gentleman. So uh, just another individual that uh, I would be remiss if I did not uh, highlight some of the wonderful performances here. You know, to me, it, you kind of know going into it that a Champions League match is always going to be refereed significantly different than a, a Premier League match. But at the same time, you also expect a, you know, a Champions League referee to be way better than a Premier League ref. And I think he probably still was better on the average, but, you know, he, he's better he, than Pawson, but like that can't be our bar. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think that, um, like it or not, Barcelona get too much respect from the refereeing community because they are naturally a smaller team and they uh, aren't physical. So it's hard because their physicality bar is so low that when an English team plays them, they look like a bunch of savages because of how hard they go into tackles. And it's just some of that is a loss in translation between leagues. And this is something that, you know, will always be a thing when when. Premier League teams play the big teams in Europe because they don't play that style and they don't want to. And so they're always going to surround the referee because they're not used to seeing those tackles week in, week out like we are. So um, to me, that's always the wild card, no matter who the referee is in Champions League games, is uh, how much are they going to allow and can an English team adapt to it? So, you know, for better or for worse, that's pretty much the situation when it comes to refereeing. Um we can go ahead and talk about William, obviously. Uh, Rec Gaming said, was William's bleeding the turning point? <laughs> and then uh, at J underscore DCAT saying, truth, uh, I, I guess. I don't know, Nick. I mean, is this the, one of those euphemisms where if you get punched in the face, how do you react? <laughs> yeah, I, I know what he means because he was off the field for a little bit of time right before they scored. I, you know, I, th- that kind of stuff happens in a match. I'm not, I'm not worrying about that. But I think the bigger story is after not being able to place passes to his teammates in previous matches, William has come through in the last uh, two matches with man of the match performances and just turned it up to eleven. Uh, he has been tremendous. He showed. An acceleration, a shiftiness, a shot um, that I think we've all been waiting for him to do in open play. You know, he's he's a great set piece artist, but um, this is the guy that I think we had hoped that we were getting um, a long time ago. A guy who a lot of people have trashed, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, we've even been confused on the show about what his strengths are, what, you know, what role he wants to really play. And I will tell you, Dan, like this, this performance today, he, he put the team on his back offensively. Yeah. And he's been doing it for uh, a little bit of time now and some of the ways that he's been contributing and, uh, you know, look, we, we joked with, with Nini in her last podcast that, you know, he's, he's a bit of a punch card player sometimes and looks like, you know, we're at the moment where maybe we just we're getting like double or triple punches uh, every time we go <laughs> in the store. We met, we met a clerk who really likes us, is keen on us and is throwing an extra couple stamps every time. But he's he's been exceptional. And I, I think it's going to 
it's going to feel a little raw as, as we move forward. And especially if, you know, eventually maybe we get bounced out here that, you know, he was centimeters or inches uh, off of potentially pulling off a hat trick. And it would have been his single best performance, not even maybe just as a Chelsea player, but as, as a footballer, um, it would have been one of the nights that I think he would tell his uh, kids, grandkids, great grandkids about. And, yeah, you know, he, he was, was very much robbed by the woodwork. And, you know, the woodwork has been our friend at times, uh, a la Kevin De Bruyne last season. Uh, this moment, it was not. So, uh, yeah, unfortunate for William because he just played uh, out, out of his mind. Yeah, Tweeds tweeted out, um, William is about 10 centimeters away for having you know, one of the most amazing hat tricks ever. So, um, you know, at, uh, or Phobulous on Instagram is saying, will Willie be willing to stay consistent? Obviously, we can always hope. We can always hope that your alliteration uh, is is true. And uh, he continues this fine run of form, you know, because we've said Pedro hasn't really been at it um, compared to what he was last season. Um, but anyways, Christensen, I, yeah, go can, ahead. Can I, can I, can I make a quick plug for Pedro? I think we touched on it earlier, earlier, but his effort today was outrageous. Uh, and he chased everything. Um, I, I have mad respect for a guy who wasn't really a part of the offensive game plan and still just went out and did his, his job and chased and, uh, harassed and, and was all over the pitch. Uh, that's all we need to say about Pedro. He didn't really do much else. But uh, just want to give him his credit because he, he did something that a lot of players would, would turn their noses up at. Well, I think, you know, he also has such an intimate knowledge of Barcelona. I know that they've changed since he's been there, but I bet he brought a lot of insight in kind of how to squeeze them based on what the players like to do. So um, he probably was feeling confident when he closed down people you know he he knew what exactly he wanted to do which which helps obviously a lot uh rolling on to christensen um you know how did he hold up in his biggest test yet uh, at jared andre three saying conte got the tactics right big mistake from christensen casas but he's been great for us so we can't get on him too much we can go to barca and win if we play with that same level drew becker 89 on instagram a little bit different take saying obviously christensen has been playing very well since taking over the starting role from louise however his dreadful pass cost us today, or I'm sorry, his dreadful pass cost us the win today. Did we miss the experience of Louise? No. 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 Nope. All right. Nada. So next one up, uh, Conte versus Messi. Conte, back to his superhuman <laughs> right. best. We need to talk about it. We should just rewind yeah. for a second, because yeah. I, I think, you know, we'll skip back the fact past the fact that you know Christensen has been a revelation this season and he's decent our Danish prince is, is pretty spectacular and at 21 years of age is you know basically trying to to hold off you know Luis Suarez or or Messi and you know, if there's going to be a game that's going to test his ability, uh, it was this one. And you know what? It sucks. And I'm sure that, you know, as Nick pointed out earlier in the show, that he's going to be looking at this match. And I think 
if there's going to be a player who's going to be amped and up for it, even though you wouldn't be able to tell uh, based on the way he composes himself, I think Christensen is going to be relishing the opportunity to go back and, and snuff out the next match based upon uh, the way he seemed to bounce back from any of these kind of uh, mispasses or things that have uh, cropped up this season, which have been minimal. And, uh, you know, you, you would find many other veteran defenders, a la Gary Cahill, uh, might have struggled significantly in this match to deal with the the pace or the ball movement that Barcelona brings to the table. What all all you have to do in this match, and and I watched it live, and I was pointing it out to some of my KC Blues friends. You know, if, if you're a person who is like, oh, Christensen wasn't ready, and blah blah, you know, get a grip. Watch him trace Luis Suarez the entire match. Do you, do you know that in the first half, because of Andreas Christensen, Luis Suarez uh, had the lowest amount of touches on Barcelona's team, and and the next closest person to him was the goalkeeper on Barcelona, Ter Stegen. Uh, Andreas Christensen was magnificent until a couple of costly decisions happened. He was incredible. Uh, let him grow from this. Don't don't put him down. I don't think you yeah. There's not a body of work to jump on him in that sense. Obviously, again, we've kind of talked about this before. Tens of millions of people watching you do your job. Sorry, man, you made a mistake. And and he hasn't made well, probably, probably no more than you can count on one hand this season, which is incredible for a 21-year-old who's been away from the club, you know, for the last couple seasons. So... You know, you can talk about experience from Louise. I mean, that that could have been not even an experience thing. Maybe just a miscommunication between him and someone else. The fact that Azpilicueta is inches away from making the tackle on Iniesta, right? Like, these are things I've talked about before. When you play at this high level, we're literally talking about inches making the difference uh, between win and loss or even a draw in these games. So, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, Conte versus Messi. Uh, Conte back to his superhuman best, I'd say. Uh, you know, I think when people saw the two-man lineup in the midfield, uh, everyone was saying, wow, Conte is going to have to play out of his mind. Uh, but he did. He, he showed us exactly the, the Conte, the, the midfield eater-upper that we signed um, and, and what he did all last year, Nick, he was just magnificent. Uh, yeah. The twins are back. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, 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 all I have to say about this guy is that he was magnificent. He was, uh, disciplined. Uh, he, he covered so much ground for the entire match, uh, you know, matched up with Messi head to head, didn't blink, um, what I mean, he's he's just magnificent, and it is going to take him even more of that at the, at the new camp, which is I'm not sure if he has another level there, but if he does, uh, we we need we need to see it. Um, you know, there, there there's a Dan there there are people out there who thought that Busquets had a better game than he did. Um, these people are pointing to all of the back passes that Busquets had. And the fact that Busquets is legitimately nine inches taller than him and that he won more aerial duels. Uh, these uh, people are, are what you call idiots. Uh, I, I will I will say to, to I, Busquets did have a fantastic game. I'm, I'm not going to shy away from that because I think this is what you would hope for, right? Like it's it's Champions League. 
Uh, it's not Europa League, right? You know, you're, you're going to get the best competition possible. And, you know, you should expect that two of the midfielders going up against each other are going to be two of the best on the planet. And, uh, you know, we, we did get some of that tonight. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be too, you know, I think it's splitting hairs. Not that Conte has many left to give, but, you know, ultimately <laughs> we, you know, we, we got to witness a pretty great match overall. A hundred percent less flops from Conte as well. Conte that had two dribbles. Is 100% a stat. Conte had two dribbles. Busquets didn't dribble anyone, but Busquets had six tackles. They're trying to tell me Angola Conte only had one on who scored. They're full of shit. That is correct. All right. Anyways, oh, well, we like it says Ariel's one. They, they got some great information on that website. We they're not actually normally they do garbage. Ariel's one. They did have it at two apiece, so that would debunk that that argument. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and just kind of wrap this up with looking ahead at the return leg. Um, man, we had so many tweets on this at B Factor Seven saying, uh, "Why are people so quick to criticize a manager who has has so much experience?" And what would your preferred lineup be for the return leg? Um, a lot is going to happen before then, so it is way too premature to to yeah. guess that. Um, Janique saying false nine again for the reverse leg, question mark. It worked pretty well today, but I always feel that we're more dangerous with a focal point, and we need a goal, at least in Barcelona. Um, at map 18 saying, can we call Ramirez and Torres back? Need that 2-2 away draw. Um, winky tongue out smiley face. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get through the rest of them. But Dan, um, how I guess how are you feeling going into the return leg? Obviously, we need a goal to match Barcelona's away goal. Yeah, and you know you you would go potentially to extra time and then to penalties and then everyone's dream of Willie getting subbed in in the last <laughs> <laughs> to go up uh. against. Uh, Messi and Suarez and everything can come true. I, I will say, you know, you, you kind of deify things that you, you don't see often, right? Or, or, you know, that you don't have super exposure to. And, and Barcelona are probably one of the best beneficiaries of that in the world, mainly due to Lionel Messi and the way he plays and, and just how, you know, goat-like his performances can be. And... I think you got to see in this match that there the, the humanity of Barcelona is is more real than the godlike or demigod status that they are often provided. And I think that gives hope, gives players the understanding that they can go and do this. A manager knowing that he got his tactics right and can potentially review substitutions after the fact. And a fan base and, and supporters who believe that this is possible. And all of that lines up into an equation, Nick, that I think produces a possibility for something special to happen. Because you're going to need another game where everything goes your way as, as much as it possibly can outside of two woodwork goals. And you need the other team to, to know or have a feeling that they're also in jeopardy. You know, if, if Barcelona get to play a little free, feel like there's not under a lot of pressure, watch out. Cause it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, remember the, the PSG match last year. Um, but ultimately we, uh, 
you know, I think we, we, we can go there and we can take it to him. And I feel more confident about that today than I did uh, before this match kicked off. Yeah. So a couple of things. And I, I ended the, the show, the, our last show with this, you know, everybody's great until you hit them in the mouth. Right. And, and I think that Chelsea hit Barcelona in the mouth today. We'll see how they react. And, and I bet that Conte has a different plan for that match as well, because, uh, you know, we we Chelsea Antonio Conte shouldn't be resting on our loyal our laurels that this is the way to get to Barcelona. Yes, we should have won three one today. Yes, uh, the team played with tremendous character, resolve, energy, all these things. But Barcelona's seen it now, you know, and they and they know what we're about. They know that Morata has the yellow card already. You know, they know that Hazard for most of the match outplayed Messi. They know that N'Golo Conte is impossible to deal with, you know, and, and they, they also know that Christensen's probably not going to give him another one. Uh, so they're going to be ready with something different. We should be ready with something different and let's go hit him in the mouth again. You know, why not? Like the, the thing is with this match, the pressure is on Barcelona, right? Like the pressure at home is always, you know, it's going to be on the home team. So, you know, I think if Barca don't go and show that they're the best team in the world, that fans are going to lose their minds. And that's kind of what happened last time, you know, where, you know, we, we get that weird goal at halftime or right before halftime. And then it's like, oh, uh, are, are we going to do it? There were a lot of people in the stadium that day that said that Barcelona fans didn't know what to do with themselves when stuff wasn't going their way. Well, let's see if it happens again. I mean, I'll tell you what Rakitic knows. He knows that Alonso's gonna just meg him for days if he keeps coming at him like that. That was that was Hashtag dirty megs for days. Oh my gosh. The, the man has a family, Alonso. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love I just I love that so much. Um yeah, uh it's it's gonna be a big return like obviously but that's what it's all about. And Chelsea I think can take a lot of positives. Uh, out of tonight so anything else you guys want to cover on this before we wrap up this 50 minute match review <laughs> it's a big match there's a lot happened it's, yeah. it's barcelona man yeah, you know, if we're gonna go big on one match review in the season uh you know it had to be this one and maybe it the should next be one. should be whole city fa cup right is that what you were about to say? <laughs> so oh, many goals I, I was gonna say uh, i care about cup uh, matches but you know that this this will do all right anything else last chance I guess I, I was indirectly called out by at angry Chelsea fan Seamus saying um, he had some questions about the subs, but then he complained that Courtois um, wasn't able to play a pass out of the back and was just booting it up the field and giving it away. Um, you know, kind of part of that, though, you have to remember is that uh, Barcelona put him under pressure when he had the ball in the back. Uh, I remember a couple of very short back passes <laughs> to Courtois that he didn't have a lot of time to deal with. The other thing, it's not his fault that we all had sub six foot players up there that weren't ever going to win a ball in the air. I mean, as right. dumped it a couple times, Alonzo did. That was just a situation. I understand what you're saying, um, but I can tell you right now, you would much rather have Barcelona have it 60 yards down the field than us trapped in a corner by Barcelona uh, outside our box. That's the way I look at it is you have two options. Neither are good. Which one is the lesser of two evils? Correct. 
Man of the Match Bowl, Dan, what, what do you think? It's been a while since we've really done a good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, no surprise. William with 73%. Conte, though, uh, edging out Eden Hazard with 14%. Only felt fair uh, that he was air kicking some balls and jumping up and down, that he should be included in the, uh, the potential player-only award. And uh, Hazard with 4%, losing out to MTT's acting skills. Uh, could put Suarez <laughs> there, too. But man, the fake hand to the face for the elbow was <laughs> oh, oh, too much, too much. He had a weird, weird game too. Like the one point when he dribbled it, but then let it go out of bounds for a corner kick, not under pressure. I, yeah, yeah. He, he probably shouldn't have made it the whole 90 minutes. Uh, I think he nope. was yeah tactically fouling Hazard any chance he could get because he couldn't deal with him, so... All right. Well, anyways, we're going to move on to social media questions. But before we do that, as always, um, you know, Dan, there's still people out there that are learning about the trip. So we would be silly uh, not to continue talking about that. I know that I just um, responded today to an email from um, someone as well that was asking about going. I mean, people, there's still time to sign up. Yeah, and uh, as we uh, have uh, looked and uh, priced out flights and things of that nature, uh, it still can be a pretty cost-effective trip. And you know, not often that you can say that you went to see Sanford Bridge, you got to see them play against the Spurs, and to watch Chelsea beat Tottenham again at Stanford Bridge. Like that's just, you know, part of the price of admission, I think. You know, can't guarantee it, but you know, you look at Chelsea's record since, you know, fifty five, it's it's pretty positive. And you get, you know, great outing events going on. You know, you go do some pub crawls, we you know, go pregame before the match. We get an opportunity to do a live podcast with our friends at the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, generally, just having a good time with people who love Chelsea in London at Stamford Bridge in a hotel connected to the stadium uh, with uh, car service to and from the airport. It, it's pretty hard to ask for anything else, Nick. And, you know, I think ultimately people need to sign up sooner rather than later so we can start getting them situated. Correct. Yeah, sign up soon. Uh, payment plans are still available if you want to chop it up, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks and, and kind of lessen the burden all at once. Um, did want to make an update, though, that we have locked down the Atlas Pub, which is a phenomenal pub for our live show and, and, and day drinking outing that we're planning on, on the 31st. So that's a thing. And you should be excited about that because we had a blast the last two times uh, doing that with Chidge and all of our journalist friends and, and, and folks. So, uh, yes, come on this trip. Ask us questions. We've had a bunch of questions this last week. And, uh, and if Chelsea somehow pulls something crazy out in, uh, in the new camp or the blue camp, should I say, um, there, there is the possibility that the Champions League quarterfinal might be at Stanford Bridge that week as well. And so tickets would be uh, available for that. So, you know, knock on wood, cross your fingers, do whatever. Um, but there's there's still that possibility, too. Hell yeah. I can't wait to see what the youth and the ladies schedule is as well while we're there. Um, all right. Well, social media questions. We have a few at Phil Tran, the man, oh. saying after that performance, William or your compatriot Pulisic? I mean, there was that rumor this week that... Maybe Chelsea are okay if Mishi stays in Dortmund if they go ahead and ship us uh, Pulisic, Dan. I think William today, uh, Christian, 
uh, Hershey Town special uh, is is a future uh, that would be quite exceptional, quite tasty for Chelsea. But uh, in current form, you got to give it to uh, the former punch card player who is now turning into uh, a wonderful uh, string of form for Chelsea. Nick, is that is that where you're at? I mean, I believe in the last pod you were talking about William's age being 30 now. I so I love Phil. We all know I love Phil. I don't understand this question. Um, you know, like yeah, long term, Chelsea six is a way better option because William's 30, but. Williams on the team now, so it's William. All right, Phil. Well, good thing I just tweeted you that I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> at the real AJAFC saying, what the F is the point on bringing drink water on for Fabregas? I mean, this is the classic John Abu Mikel role, right, Nick? You, you bring in a midfielder who's fresh, who can run, who can keep up and do a defensive shift and, and try to lock the game down. Yes, um, a little bit of uh, of um, English beef in there. Um, you know, I think a guy who, you know, if the Barcelona players had been feigning fouls uh, all match, that he would actually make them feel uh, what a foul feels like. Um, I I don't really understand drink water right now, and 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 wish that David Luiz was in better the spirits with uh with Conte because I feel like he would be an ideal midfielder to come on late and start pinging passes around. But uh for now we have we have drinks. Um you know we uh ha- hopefully we'll have Barkley back at some point, you know, to kind of fill that role. But uh, you know, that's that's the list. Bakioko doesn't even come to mind right now. All right. At Moraine Joey. I know he had a list of questions, but I'm going to pick the last two. So he asked Dan, why do the media say Barca dominated the game? And is he biased or is the media? Obviously, he disagrees. 73% possession uh, would be the reason why. Uh, You know, Chelsea absorbed, 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 which from a uh, perspective, if you're just watching some highlights or some clips, can make it look like it was all Barcelona all the time. And uh, I, I think there's a level of, you know, bias nature to, to all of us. So I think that's more of a, uh, I'll leave that as a personal question for you, Joey. I mean, I think that, you know, you, there's some arguments, obviously, like the fact that, you know, Chelsea had just as many shots on target and they had more shots in general today. I think that that's worth a shout. Uh, the fact that Chelsea had more tackles, um, and more dribbles, you know, I, th- you know, there's some subtleties in there, Nick. Uh, I know that I, I was looking at our, our tweets today and, you know, people were talking about, um, getting in a huge emotional argument of Conte versus Busquets on Twitter. And, you know, the biggest thing was that, well, Busquets had way more passes and touches. Yeah. Uh, not under pressure in his own defensive half versus Conte winning it in the midst of three, four midfielders. And then finding, you know, a person out of that. I think that they're just different game plans and the teams executed differently. Yeah, Uh, there is a media bias towards Messi and Barcelona. They play beautiful football. Uh, Messi is the greatest player of all time Uh, for me. uh, You know, they uh, they're in Barcelona, Spain, one of the sexy cities ever. So I think the media just loves them. And Chelsea have been. Uh, you know, gritty, determined, uh, tough to deal with, hard tackling, you know, the things that aren't as sexy. 
Uh, Chelsea were more effective today with with what they had. They were way more effective. And, uh, you know, again, if you're a possession person, I cannot convince you that Chelsea dominated this game. Uh, but I can looking at the rest of the numbers and I can knowing that we were unlucky not to score three goals and Barcelona were lucky to score one. You know, that that's the context that stats don't lead you to. And if you, if you're a person who was, who went into that match thinking that Barcelona were the greatest team of all time and that, you know, Chelsea, there's no way that Chelsea were even going to come close to winning. You probably left there thinking that Chelsea got super lucky, uh, but we didn't, we outplayed Barcelona. Uh, right. You know, I think so. It's a mix. We're both biased. All right. So, Joey, don't worry. It's it's normal. At Tosser of Coin, with everything you guys saw today, what percentage do you give Chelsea to go through? Oh, this is this is really difficult. Um, I, as your handle would apply, apply, I would say maybe a 50 50. Just flip the coin. Um, God, I. The thing about the Champions League is that the away goal just means everything. It just means everything. Uh, So, God, if Chelsea, if Chelsea can get a freaking away goal, um, you know, this could be this could be crazy. Um, I would say right now, 30 percent. Dan, is that even too high? Oh, that was my number. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's not too was, high. It's dead on. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, no, I think 30s. Is, I mean, look, you're, you're you don't have the benefit of playing at home, which which would be nice in the second leg. Uh, you have to combat the away goal. You have to think that Barcelona could be at another gear than what they are right now. You have to hope that the fact that our fixture run, which includes like Man City and United and like all this other stuff doesn't kind of mentally blog down our, you know, our, our synapses from firing appropriately in this match. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be so tough. But again, as we talked about this entire show, there's a formula. There is a formula that if we can pull it off, uh, Chelsea can do something special. So uh, special means that it's not a 50, 60, 70, 80% chance we're going to do it. Uh, it means something like a 20, 30% chance. But uh, the, the hope, I mean, the hope is there. I think that, like I said, I think that Chelsea have a lot of positives to take out of this. And I think that obviously, though, a lot of it's going to come down to these next few games in between the legs. I did hear the announcer say that Barcelona actually has one more match to play in between than Chelsea, but there's no way they have the same quality of opposition that Chelsea do. So yeah, they, they play relegation teams, you the know, next three times. Right. So the fact that you know Chelsea have the the man the Manchester clubs and, and Crystal Palace in there. Um, that if we get out of there with some some momentum, then I think that there's a much better chance. Uh, but if we get rolled two games out of the three, then it's not going to be good because you know uh, a lot of these players ride on momentum and and how the last game went. So uh, I'll have to wait and see before we get into that. And then the last one, just from Reese R Jones eighty three on Instagram saying, I think a score draw is the best chance of getting through. So a one one and penalties or two two and Chelsea win. What do you guys think is the most likely way we can get to the next round? I was actually thinking the one one pens personally. One oh, nil God, win. No. One, no, nil one nil win. win. One nil win yeah. is the the best way for us to go through. Get it done in full time. <laughs> 
don't don't leave it. I, I think that's where, you know, there's some special concoction and formula we need to pull off to make it happen. But you're talking about extra time uh, at Barcelona uh, in their home ground for Messi. Like, I think that's when you have like the magic moment happening. You know, like, that's like when a, a LeBron, a, a Jordan, a Brady, you know, just kind of does something absolutely exceptionally crazy. And uh, I personally don't want to be like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can clench any harder than I, than I already do in some of these <laughs> matches. <laughs> Right. I'm not. I'm not touching that. Yeah. No. Right. You. You should not. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> that would not be advised. One nil. We go through the end. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead. Um, we're just going to touch on the Manchester United as the next match. But real quick, uh, more love for our friends uh, Nick on Instagram. They should go follow who. That would be World Soccer Shop. Um, they would be at World Soccer Shop, and they'll have the verified check because they're badass and uh, they post some really good content. So go follow them, and then and then while you're at it, you know, go go like some of their photos, Dan. Like, it's it's pretty easy. Yeah, not very hard at all. We, we love our friends uh, over at World Soccer Shop. Uh, they, they definitely are giving away some great stuff, too. They were giving away a $100 gift card uh, during the uh, this, this afternoon's match, uh, during some of the Champions League competition. So keep an eye out for it and, you know, following them on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is, is the best way to keep abreast of their phenomenal deals and, and great uh, promotions. All right. Well, as promised, uh, I just want to essentially walk you through it. The fact that Chelsea will be playing Manchester United in the Premier League uh, for our next match. It will be at Old Trafford this coming Sunday, February 25th. Uh, they play Sevilla tomorrow in the Champions League, which you probably already know how it went by the time you listen to this, or it'll be later today. Uh, but they have lost to Newcastle. There is some maybe media made up uh, issues between Mourinho and Pogba. At the end of the day, guys, uh, I was talking with someone today at work about this. Uh, United are an excellent team of individually skilled people, but they're not really the greatest group uh, or team. So I think that this is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, playing Mourinho in a, you know at United, there's going to be a little bit of emotions for the away fans. So I'm excited to see uh, how they embrace it, but. Look, it's one of the top six teams. It's a team we're chasing, trying to catch points on. And uh, it's a really good opportunity to close the gap and get higher up the table. Uh, thankfully, we played Tuesday and this match is on Sunday. So we actually have a few days to rest and relax, Nick, which isn't always hasn't always been the case this season. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, now, you, you could still see some rotation this is going to be tough you know going to old trafford is is never easy you know we really really struggled there last year um you know hazard got man marked out of the game by stupid under herrera uh you know i think the the key here is that every time that we've played manchester united where pogba and, and golakante are on the field and golakante takes him out of the game completely and and dominates and shows who the best French midfielder is. Uh, you know, after his heroics today, I'm not sure that N'Golo will, will play the full 90, but uh, you could envision uh, um, a really uh, tough, you know, gritty, maybe 1-0 or 2-1 win. Um, and let's just, we, we need to go close the points gap, Dan. 
I will, will venture a, a chilling statement um, that if current results hold, if you look at the competition we have to go up against the remainder of the season versus our other friends in the, uh, the slots two through four, because, uh, you know, one is so far ahead that, you know, really you're fighting amongst three spots. Um, lo- losing this game would seriously jeopardize our top four chances. And I, I think more so than this midweek match, which I, I was excited for and super thrilled and happy with, um, I think this was the must-win game of the week. And uh, I will be pretty bummed if we do not take uh, all three points. Well, I mean, pretty much have to. It's a must-win uh, scenario for Chelsea. This could be the beginning of an amazing run, especially now that City are completely bang average and lose to Wigan, which is... Uh, exciting nonetheless, but uh, you still got to go out and play it. So um, make sure to tune in. Obviously, Sunday, uh, we'll bring you a pod that night for the following Monday morning because that's what we do. That's what we do for you, our listeners, who we love so much. So if you are enjoying the podcast, I would just give you a, a quick request to potentially retweet and share this with you know your personal network so that we can continue to bring more Chelsea fans into the London Is Blue community. Uh, it is a fantastic one at that. Uh, but boys, anything else that you want to do for a final thought to wrap this one up, Dan, we can throw it to you first. Man, I get the privilege to go first. Um, no, it's good. You know, appreciate the episode tonight. Uh, I think we, we, we kicked butt. And uh, you know what? I think we walked away with all three points here tonight. Yeah. Uh, shots hit targets. Um, my, my final thought is, is a, a tweet from Kyle Martino, a guy that should have won uh, U.S. Soccer Federation president, but um, didn't, unfortunately. Uh, he said of William, and I quote, William is the girl in the rom-com. It takes the main character the whole movie to realize is their soulmate. <laughs> and, and never has that, like, that hit me so hard today um, because I feel like a lot of Chelsea fans are kind of waking up to the uh, the she's all that moment, Dan. <laughs> Shake the hair yeah. down. That, that you was, know. That, you know, she's all that, uh, 10 things I hate about you. You know, there, there, there's a lot of... Uh, examples you can pull from all right well i'll go ahead and wrap this whole episode with a tweet from our friend mark worrell at gate 17 marco so this is what he tweeted after the match there will be plenty of debates about conte's tactics tonight there will be no debate about whether or not his players are willing to battle for him and execute his game plans chelsea were bang up for it tonight as indeed were the crowd for them and Conte um, is someone who is massively connected to um, the fans and uh, the terrace culture and everything. Um, no surprise that he was spot on with that. And it is very inspirational to hear. So with that being said, we're going to end on a very high note tonight. Chelsea fans, we will be back after the United match. We can promise you that. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on patreon.com. The London is blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.